gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe, is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp, and Rachel Miller is my co-host. And today we're going to do an episode on conflict resolution. Uh, there's been several situations I personally have seen recently, been counseled some women, and I realize this is probably a good kind of practical and biblical episode that we could do. Uh, one of the things I, I did want to say, because as I was making some notes for today, uh, I have failed at these. The things I'm going to talk about today, I have failed at a gazillion times. And um, I want to mention before we start, and we'll mention at the end too, I, I don't want to have a heavy law episode with no hope that we will fail at these things and we have the hope of the gospel. And we we want to we we want to live in obedience, but we we will fail and well, let me start out by talking about what conflict resolution is, and then we can get into some of the more practical. I've, I found a, I looked up some definitions online, and I thought this one was very good. Methods and processes involved in facilitating the peaceful ending of a conflict. And one of the things I always think about, you know what? You probably know what I mean, Rachel, that sometimes you hear your pastor say something that just absolutely sticks with you. Um, and it's probably like mm -hmm. it's probably like 15 years ago. And I, I was trying to remember for sure what what our pastor was preaching on. I think it may have been when he was preaching through Matthew and Matthew 18. And he said something then that mm -hmm. I just always, always think about. He's he said that as a pastor. He has had so many, so many instances where a congregant comes and says, I have a problem with this other person in the church. And he would say to them, well, we have some 
really um, great things in scripture that we can follow. We have a framework. And he said, almost all the time, they say, it won't work with this person, though. <laughs> and and he would say, well, it's not not really up to you whether it works or not. It's it's up to you to to live in obedience and do um, what we're instructed to do. And I, I think even in my own life, I was thinking about that, how many times it's very tempting for me, and I've even fallen into it sometimes, where I don't think that it'll work with this person the way that I want it to. And then mm-hmm. I use that as an excuse uh, to not do what I ought to do in in so many different ways. I think when we think about conflict resolution, it's very, very easy if somebody has wronged me to be like, well, fine, and go and sin in response to it. I, th- I think mm-hmm. it's it's very easy to do, and you almost feel justified in doing it. I mean, it's the same thing mm-hmm. as a mom with with kids, how many times, you know, one of your kids sins against another, what's the answer? Well, he did it first. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, he may have done it first. It doesn't make it okay for you to do it. Right. Right. Um, We're, we're kind of all those, Rachel and I always talk about different common situations that moms may have with kids and we're just a bunch of big kids actually. (laughs) So as absolutely. Yes. (laughs) That's <laughs> the same, <laughs> same exact thing. But when we're talking about conflict, it, I mean, this is really going to be a very light overview because there's people who've written full books and there's lots of great videos on YouTube. I watch some of them and there's blogs devoted to this and conflict can be anything. It can be, you can have a conflict with your neighbor. Like right now, my neighbor sometimes plays his music a little loud trying not to make that a conflict. It doesn't happen too much, but you can have that sort of thing. Um, you can have very practical conflicts with a neighbor. They drive over your grass or they hit your mailbox and, okay, what do I do now? Do I go and talk to them about it? Um, you, We have conflict every single day. You could have conflict on the road when you're driving and somebody cuts you off. We have very just kind of practical everyday conflicts. And then even in our families with our with our parents or our spouses, with our children, we can have all kinds of little conflicts. And they can be the result of sin, but they can also be the result of I'm just annoyed by what that person is doing. Um friends, family, you know, it's there's very little conflicts that'll be over in five minutes. And then there's big ongoing conflicts. You know, one thing I wanted to add is that, you know, as we're talking about this, this is mostly geared towards like the, I'd call it the garden variety, like the, the everyday conflict kind of things that we have to varying degrees in, in our relationships um, and make the usual caveats that if we're not talking about how to like mediate through an abusive situation, um, we're not talking about how to um, to handle abuse. Like this is in a non-abusive relationship, when you're dealing with people, this is the typical kinds of conflict. Would, would you agree with that? Uh, absolutely. I'm really glad you said that because I think you and I would both put abuse of any kind, whether mm-hmm. it's emotional abuse, physical abuse, spiritual abuse, in a completely different category. That's not a conflict mm-hmm. we're telling you to go use conflict resolution no. methods with. that, uh, And we've talked about that quite a bit 
you just mm-hmm. search abuse on our website, you'll probably um that that's that's a completely different category. And it's good that you mentioned that because there are people in the church that want to put that in the same category or mm-hmm. say, well, you're called to suffer when we're talking about real abuse. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So what? I just wanted to add that. No, I'm I'm glad you did. One of the things I, I think this happens more often than um we realize is sometimes conflict is due to misunderstandings. I've had I've um mediated in some conflicts with girls in our group and there's an offense and and you really get down to the nitty gritty and it was completely a misunderstanding. Like somebody said something, and especially in writing, you know, um, mm-hmm. and it was read differently than it was intended, or it was the intent was misunderstood. And I think it's, right. I even try to um, leave room for that. If I'm hurt by something someone says, or if I think something is, someone has wronged me, did I, did I misunderstand them? And the, uh, the other time that conflict can come, that's not necessarily... I mean, we're all sinful in the way that we do things, but in disagreements. So, mm-hmm. um, we we see this in churches a lot, um, where there's a disagreement on how on different ministry programs. Like, well, I think we should have a Wednesday night Bible study every week, and the children should have their own program. And someone says, "Well, we don't have the people to do that or the interest." And you end up this isn't a um, black and white, right or wrong. Thing. Mm-hmm. It's a difference of opinion. One one of the things I think we have to be very, very careful of is to not make differences of opinions absolutes. Um, very good point. There's, there's so many things. All you have to do is go on Twitter any day of the week and people are mm-hmm. disagreeing about whatever, you know, politics, foreign policy, um, all kinds of different things. They may be disagreeing about, you know, there's all kinds of disagreements. There was a big old disagreement in my town over whether we should have a light or a stop sign at one of the intersections. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, churches have split over whether or not what color the carpet should be. Yes. Or curtains. I know it's just, or curtains, right. Or, or building a parking lot. I, I've seen these things happen and it's, it's sad, but it happens. Right. And I think, I think whenever there's a conflict, to step back and say, okay, what is this about? Is this really that I'm absolutely right and that person's absolutely wrong? Or is there room for us to have differences of opinions on some of these things? Mm -hmm. And maybe that person has a good reason um, for disagreeing with me and I need to hear them out. And and I do think the conflict also arises because we get annoyed. annoyed with the way somebody is or they weren't thoughtful mm. um you, you know why didn't you call me when i was sick that sort of thing mm-hmm. um where that person you you have to kind of judge your expectations to not have unrealistic expectations of other people maybe they were going through something and maybe they had a really hard week last week and you don't you know you're unaware of it and so, you know, things like that, where we can sometimes have a conflict over those um, sorts of things. 
And and there is the conflict due to sin. You know, somebody lies mm-hmm. to you, steals from you, um, those sorts of things. That category of things like disagreements, misunderstandings. Um, I call that like the stepping on toes. Like, or you know, when you bump into somebody, you didn't mean to do it. It did hurt. You need to acknowledge the hurt, right? It's not that it doesn't hurt, but they're the unintended conflicts. Like you. Right. Person did not set out to upset you. Um, and you still have to work through them, but it's it's just a different level. That's that's a good way to describe that. Now, whenever we have conflicts, there's kind of a very basic way that we we respond when we talk about fight or flight. Um, we all know mm-hmm. people that conflict comes and they run the other direction. They want nothing to do with it, maybe to a fault. Like, no, 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 you need to come over here and deal with that conflict. And then we have kind of the, I'm going to stay and fight till the bitter end. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably, that's two extremes. And all of us are probably somewhere in between, in between that. I can, I can relate to the, to the flight. <laughs> I hate conflict. Oh, yeah. Uh, conflict conflict avoidance yes um yeah um just trying to remember whose examples um but they use the there's there's conflict or there's uh peacemaking and peace faking oh i've never heard that before like mm -hmm. that so like peacemaking being like actually trying to come to peace Peace faking is when you just pretend like it's all okay or you pretend like something didn't happen. And it can be either because you are you want to ignore what you've done or because you don't want to deal with conflict. Yeah. Um, and you know, and we'll talk about this in the ways that you can respond. Not everything needs to be a fight to or a conflict. Uh some things can be you know, you know, an issue of choosing your battles, deciding when it's time to address it and when it's not. Uh, so it's not always running away from conflict to not bring something up but for me too i'm i'm much more likely to just want to like not have conflict i yeah. just don't want to no i'm like the little kid i'm just gonna put my fingers in my ears and go la 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 <laughs> it'll go away <laughs> i know i i like to say that it's it's very ironic you know given the topics that we deal with and the the kind of the hornet's nest that we've kicked that i'm that we're both so conflict averse right um, <laughs> but here we are. that's actually how you know that the, mm-hmm. the controversial topics that we have hit on we mm-hmm. think are that important because we hate yes, conflict. because we hate conflict we're exactly i think both of us are pretty good at picking our battles mm. on what things are so important that we need to speak up um and we all have all sorts of different different people in our lives. We also know the the fight, you know, mm. the the fight, the flight or the fight. And, you know, there's some people, the second that a conflict happens, they're criticizing and ridiculing. And, um, and there's different ways to fight. One of the things I've witnessed a lot, just even in running the Facebook group, there's also kind of a passive aggressive fighting mm-hmm. where I'm going to go and talk to everybody and tell them how horrible this other person is. Um, so there, there's different ways to different ways to fight. Sadly, yes. Uh, and how you put it, someone's spoiling for a fight. I think there's sometimes 
some people that just really like to argue. There are also times when, you know, with things going on in your own life that you know your fuse is kind of short. I know that's true for me, but I'm more likely to get into it um, and be willing to fight instead of um, being reactive, instead of being thoughtful and thinking through what I'm saying and why. Right. Um, but yeah, so there, there are times when there are some people who are just very short tempered in general, and there's times when we're all short tempered. Well, especially, I think, with the people close to us, and mm-hmm. especially our own families that we're living in the same house with, where we're having a bad day, and they do something really small, and you're, you know, re- have this quick temper with them, or mm-hmm. say things that you shouldn't, shouldn't say. Mm-hmm. Because that has happened to me. <laughs> of course, it happens. To oh, where I'm kind of like everybody, get out of my way, or else, <laughs> because I am not in a happy mood, <laughs> which doesn't make it right. I I think half of this is just recognizing who we are, mm-hmm. um, what our own personal practices and tendencies are, and um, you know, seeking to do better in the way that we deal with various types of conflict. Mm -hmm. I agree. So I want to talk about ways we should should respond. So we kind of know the the typical reactionary responses um, and ways we should respond. You you just mentioned it, Rachel, when, Mm -hmm. you know, some there are times to overlook. First Peter 4, 8 says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. We've talked before about, we're not confronting every single, well, we shouldn't be, every single tiny thing because we would be mm-hmm. doing it all day, especially if we're talking about every time we're hurt, every little annoyance, every time we think we've been um, sinned against there. There are times to to be extra gracious. And I think of it when we had our premarital counseling, which I know a lot of people had bad experience with theirs. We actually had pretty good premarital counseling, although I only remember one thing. But as our pastor said, It was an important thing. It, it, it was. <laughs> he said, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. You'll find mm-hmm. that a lot of the fights are over something really small and silly. And it, it's true. You can get mm-hmm. in a fight with your spouse over, and you're like, wait, how did this start? <laughs> you know, Absolutely. and you're like, oh, it started because of that. And so, um, if something's a molehill, that might be the time to overlook and be like, let's say your husband is short with you, but you know, he just worked overtime and he's had a hard week and things are really stressful at work. You might have some extra grace um, with him. Right. Or if, if with your kids, um, from toddlers to teenagers, and you know they're having a rough day, and they're a little shorter with you than they should have been. I mean, there's a, there are ways to to gently correct them that's not bringing the fire down on their heads for, for what they did. And we don't have to choose to, to make the conflict worse um, when we can recognize that something's going on. And the same goes with our relationships. You have a close friend and especially someone that you know and, and you're good friends with them and, and they say something that you know is kind of out of character right? and you're like well that that really kind of hurt um 
you don't have to pick a fight over it. And that's really going back to the, the way we've talked about, you know, seeing if it's a misunderstanding or, you know, you can kind of ask, did, did you mean, did you mean to say it that way? Did you, if you feel like you need to say something, right? You can say, is that what you intended? Um, and generally it's not, and they'll be, they'll be sorry. And then you can move on and you don't have to hold the hurt. And you also don't have to take them to task for something that was unintended. Yeah. And sometimes I'm, I'm personally very, very sensitive, but I recognize this. And so sometimes when I feel a little hurt, you know, I've had instances where I've felt hurt by something that somebody said, and I just try to step back and think, okay, how did they mean it? And Mm -hmm. a lot of times I'm like, I don't, they probably didn't mean it the way that I took it. If it's something that, that bugs me for a while, I may go and say, you know, um, when you said such and such the other day, um, I was a little hurt by it, but I could have misinterpreted how you meant it. Or, And I have been guilty. Um, uh, I mean, in, in the last year, I said something to a friend that was really hurtful. And um, I had to kind of recognize that I was wrong. And, and you know, it was a, a bad day. And I was being impatient and it was wasn't really my friend's problem it was me with mm-hmm. the problem there and had to apologize for that um because in the same way we can be hurt by things that people say to us we can we can hurt people oh absolutely so one one of the things is when you have a conflict, and I'm talking about something more serious, um, you know, it can be any number of things. I'm not even sure what examples to give, but I, you know, I have girls from the group that will come to me for counsel and it can be wise to, to seek counsel, um, especially from, you know, possibly older, if you have an older woman or, a mature Christian in your life that you trust. Um, I think we have to be careful to not, there's sometimes it can be easy to say, well, I'm seeking counsel, but you're really just venting or gossiping. Mm-hmm. So to be very careful in, in how we do that, if you have a problem in your marriage, for instance, um, you know, we, we just have to be careful about the way we go about talking about situations um i i had a situation i wasn't sure what to do about it this is like a year and a half ago and i have a friend that's older and wiser than i am she she has a lot of wisdom and i just needed somebody to help me work through and and figure it out and mm-hmm. and i went to her and but i didn't even tell her the names of people that were involved um you know i was very careful um that it there's there's can sometimes be a blurry line from when it goes from seeking counsel to to gossip. You know, one of the things um, it's one of the churches that we were in and talking about things like this. It talked about not to to prevent gossip. One of the things to do is you're not going to talk to somebody about the problem unless they're either part of the problem or part of the solution. Oh, I like that. And I'm like, well, that, that's a good way of putting it, because there's times when you need to talk to somebody who's outside the problem because you mm-hmm. need help with the solution. And there are many things that way. That's what you're talking about, seeking advice or getting help. Um, 
but it still keeps it the circle pretty small um, with only people who need to know about the details. Right. And so somebody that might be part of the solution is somebody that can help you work through the best way to approach it or mm-hmm. um, things like that. And it, maybe that is a way to distinguish um, seeking counsel versus maybe just venting or gossiping about it, that mm-hmm. I'm I'm really looking for somebody to help me um, find a solution to this problem. How should we go about addressing conflict? I I think this is super important because I think it's so easy to fail on doing this. I have a gazillion times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know we haven't talked a lot about scripture. We're going to do a lot of that in the end. Um, but I, a lot of what we're talking about is just some basic, practical, but I think um, rooted in scripture advice even when we've been hurt, we are still called to live in obedience to the Lord. So things like gentleness and patience. And um, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that, and this is a mistake I've seen quite a bit. If I go to someone um, because I think that they've been wrong, um, I need to listen to them where I think it's easy to, if you're addressing a conflict, to have in your mind that I'm only going to accept one response. And if they don't mm-hmm. give that mm-hmm. that one response, I'm not going to listen. But mm-hmm. remember that some some people are different. Um, there's some people that need a little time to go away and come back later. Um, mm-hmm. We're we're all different. I'm somebody that um, I sometimes need to walk away. And I had a friend, this is years ago, that came to me about something. And I was not initially prepared to say, you know what, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of needed some time to to think through it, pray and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then, so I didn't initially say, you're right, I shouldn't have done I didn't. I was like, oh, okay. You know, my... It's very hard when you go to somebody and say, hey, I need to talk to you about something. It's very easy for the other person to be defensive. I I know I have that problem when Mm -hmm. someone comes to me. And so have some patience for somebody's personality and that they may work through problems differently than you and Mm -hmm. maybe give them some time. Maybe they aren't going to initially, maybe they're going to be defensive initially and then you walk away from it. Maybe they're going to come back later and say, you know what? I thought about it. You're right. And I'm sorry. Leave leave some patience for that. Mm-hmm. Grace. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then also be willing and, and ready to forgive. I think that's... Um, that's a good one. I, I meant to say on the seeking advice one um, from Pro- Proverbs twelve fifteen, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. I've also had where I've sought counsel from someone wise, where I'm in a situation and they say, Colleen, I, I don't think you're right in this situation. And sometimes it even helps that sort of counsel for somebody to mm-hmm. kind of speak some 
some truth to it. I I found this is totally not from a Christian website. I just was I found some like basic steps. Um, mm-hmm. for, that I thought were really kind of practical and good. If you have an ongoing, um, an ongoing conflict with someone, if you're really having a serious feud with a friend, with a family member, um, set a, ta- a discussion time. I will tell you that writing a letter is last resort. Mm-hmm. Um, that talking in person is is best if you can do it or on zoom or FaceTime um, or even on the phone is preferable because like a letter, you don't know, you know, tone of voice and, and things like that. Even facial expressions can be helpful when you're having a serious conversation. Um, so it sometimes inviting a third party, I mean, it's a serious conflict. Um, it can be helpful to invite a third party, maybe somebody that cares for both of you. That that mm-hmm. can be really helpful. Um, figure out the main issue. Sometimes conflicts get so crazy, you forget what this was about. <laughs> you know? Why are we bad? Right. Know. Exactly. And then, at, so doing that together with the person, establish some common goals. So how do we get, you know, mm-hmm. get past this? Um, talk about how we meet those goals, find a way forward and, um, or agree, I'm sorry, agree on a way forward and determine resolution roles, which this is obviously we're talking about for, you know, more of an ongoing, more serious uh, conflict. And I think that's, that's the sort of things if you were having a serious conflict in your marriage that a counselor would help you do, right. for instance. Right. But that's kind of what you would what you would find. So or family counseling, like if you're having issues, either you're the you're the child in the relationship and you need to work through some things in conflict with your parents or if you're the parents and you have like either adult children, teenage children, preteens who need you need some uh, ways to learn to talk to each other, some tools to talk to each other. Well, this is a place that counseling can be helpful um, in in establishing these ways of talking to each other in particular. And that that's a good time to talk about when you have an ongoing conflict with a loved one, counseling really can be so helpful. I know so many people that, you know, uh, like in a marriage problem, they thought one thing was the, was their prime conflict, but then they realized it really went back to something else that they needed to work through. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I know people that their marriage was on, there was no abuse or anything, but they were just not getting along and they went to counseling and are doing very well today. I've seen it be helpful. I I know sometimes when you're in the midst of a serious conflict, especially if it's with a parent, a spouse, a child, that it can feel very hopeless. And I I just want Mm -hmm. people to know that there is hope. And I, I do have friends too that like as adults um, went to counseling and the counselor said, well, I think we should bring your mom in here mm-hmm. to work through some of that. And it, it really, really did, did help. So, um, you know, oh, go ahead. you're saying that this is a, this was something you got from a, a secular site, but um, the truth is a lot of, of what's here are 
scripture speaks to many of the same issues about how to discuss and how to get how to talk together and like i know we're going to get into like matthew 18 but the bringing someone in to help with the discussion um talking together um a lot of the proverbs address various issues there so i just wanted uh, reading through it even though i knew no, you got it from a site that isn't particularly, you know, this is from the Bible. It's certainly not unbiblical advice on how to to deal with conflict. I, w- I was thinking the same thing because I do think scripture kind of gives us some basic frameworks to work mm-hmm. with, especially in Proverbs. I'm always amazed. Mm-hmm. Every time I read Proverbs, I'm like, oh, oh, I never thought of that before. Um, so, I do, when we're talking about conflict, I, I do want to s- distinguish between Something that's like, you know, my friend and I are disagreeing about whether the church should pay for a new parking lot or, you know, I'm I'm making that up Um, because I think we should and she thinks that money should go to renovating the bathroom or I don't know. Go ahead. Or even things like, you know, my... Uh, my friend and I, or my coworker and I, see politics differently, and we were disagreeing over, you know, an issue like whether the money should be spent on this program or that, right? Yep. Or um, a preference for the way things are done. Um, there's there are a lot of ways that we can have conflicts that are not related to, to like being sinned against. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw people that blocked each other, block in our community or in the mm-hmm. reformed-ish online community that blocked each other because they disagreed on student debt relief, which I think that's probably a whole other discussion that we need to be more willing to disagree. Um, mm-hmm. That may be a discussion for another day. It's okay to disagree. I'll, I'll just it say okay that. It is okay to disagree. Mm-hmm. And it isn't necessarily... Remember that sometimes conflict is because of a different perspective. Mm. Um, but I'll just give an example of how you might have a different perspective. Let's say you have a friend that lives in the middle of Idaho on 50 acres in a small town with a thousand people. And you live in Los Angeles. And and you say, you say, you know, I really think the government needs to step in and do something about the homeless problem because we have, you know, here in Los Angeles, we have so many people living in tents and a lot of them mm-hmm. are um, have mental health and addiction issues. And I really think we need to implement a program to help these people. Well, your friend who maybe lives in mid-Idaho may have a completely different perspective because they're not seeing you may just have very different perspectives because your experiences are different because your lives are different and leave room for that with friends. Like, Hmm, why does my friend have a different perspective than I do? Exactly. Very good point. I think it's important to distinguish the type of conflict that you're having. um, If it is a a sin issue. So we're going to talk a little bit about Matthew 18, maybe. You know, I like the fact that you pointed out that this is, you know, one of the ways to address conflict when sin is involved. I think there are times when when people want to use Matthew 18 as like a 
a one size fits all. So if there's any conflict, then you have to go about it. Like, I don't like the way my husband washed the dishes. I need to go through Matthew 18 with him. I don't really think that's the way it's intended. Um, I don't think it's meant to be like a wooden instruction manual of these must be the steps followed in any kind of conflict. Right? Yeah. It's a way of approaching general um, general guidelines for approaching, but particularly when there is sin involved. I will say too, like if you're talking about like um, famous or well-known um, author, speaker, um, pastor online teaching something that is um, wrong, something like ESS, like we've talked about, right? That something that we can say, this is, you know, contrary to scripture. Um, Matthew 18 is also not the correct approach for addressing um, false teaching or bad teaching necessarily. It, I had, you know, in those cases, we've not been personally sinned against, but it is something worth calling attention to. It's just a different, there's, there are many different approaches in scripture about how to deal with with uh, different kinds of conflict. I just saw it on Twitter this week, or it was last week or the week before, where somebody put out a post um, amplifying the um, a, a teaching of a well-known pastor that he that this person thought I agree with this person is um, a wrong teaching. And somebody came along, and it, you and I have seen this so many times, and said, well, have you tried to talk to him? Okay, this is some random person on Twitter that doesn't know this person. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if you're a well-known pastor and you, your mailbox is full of, I'd like to talk to you about your error, confront you. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've seen it all the time. I think it happened to you, Rachel, where people oh, said, well, did you go talk to that teacher? Did you try to talk to him privately? <laughs> Amusingly, amusingly, um, the people that ha- said those kinds of things to me did not follow Matthew 18 and talking about me, talking about these people. So, it's it, it doesn't seem to be the kind of thing that everyone's very consistent about. I was just thinking that. I was thinking <laughs> that exact same thing. Yep. But uh, there are times when you should absolutely use it. It's there for a reason. Scripture is, is for our benefit. And... Uh, so let, we'll create a situation um, where someone has sinned against you. Um, somebody that you know has stolen something from you. I, I had this happen when I was a teenager. Uh, a friend stole a bunch of things from me. So I have been sinned against, right? This is sin involved. What do I do? So the the Matthew 18 process would be first you go and speak to the person privately and say, hey, um, you know, I, I think this has happened, and I, you know, I want to make it right with you. I want to be at peace with you. I want to work through this. And again, you're going peacefully with the intention of, of restoring relationship, not uh, taking it your pound of flesh from the person. This is about peace and restoration. So, you go and talk to them, and you say, hey, this is what's going on. And Maybe that fixes it. Maybe they go, you know, you're right. I'm sorry. Um, I shouldn't have taken this. I should have asked you about it. I know you would have loaned it to me. Um, please forgive me. Here's your here's your thing back. And, you know, let's, let's, can we be at peace? And that would be great. That's a great resolution. 
But let's say different situation, you've been sent against, you go to the person and talk to them about it, and they refuse to listen to you. They don't want to hear it. They, they are unmoved, and they continue to behave in a way that's sinful against you. So the second step would be to take uh, a couple of other people with you. If you're talking about something within the church, that would be taking a couple elders or other Christians with you um, to help kind of, again, mediate with you, impress upon the person the importance of the, the issue. And again, with the goal of restoration, you want at the end of this to get to peace and forgiveness and restoration. And if that doesn't work, and we're talking about within the church, someone is continuing in sin, they won't listen, they won't hear when we, we go to them privately, they won't listen, they won't hear when you have two or three that go with you and talk to them. And then it's finally, you know, this is an issue for the, the church body to hear and to resolve. Um, and you, you never really want things to get that far. I mean, we want peace before then. Um, but again, in all of these steps, the purpose at the end of the steps is to bring a brother or sister who has uh, who has sinned against you to bring them back into fellowship to bring um, again restoration, peace, uh, forgiveness. You want you want there to be a resolution. And I I like how you emphasized. This is not to go take your pound of flesh, that the purpose of this is peace, is repentance, is restoration. And sometimes, and I think sometimes um, about the fact that Matthew 18 has all these steps, because maybe you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Let's say you think a friend lied to you for whatever reason, and you go and say, I think you lied to me, and they try to explain that they didn't lie to you. And, and whatnot. And then you bring in another person and that other person kind of hears both sides and may say, actually, I don't think that she did lie to you. I really do think that mm-hmm. you misunderstood. So I, I think it's got kind of all these checks and, and balances um, along the way to protect that. There's been situations in um, the PCA and the OPC, not that those are perfect those could have been wrong sometimes too where it gets all the way to general assembly mm-hmm. and general assembly says well no we don't think that this person was wrong in, in what they did we have those same sorts of things in our own in the united states you mm-hmm. know where you know it might get all the way to the supreme court and the supreme court sees it it differently in regards to matthew 18 i think one of the difficult things, and especially in this kind of social media age, is that it is not always practical that you're, if you have an online friend, and I think we do need to distinguish between um, online versus real life friends and even friends in our own church, and also between a friend that's a Christian and not a Christian, where mm-hmm. I think that you can kind of use this basic framework, but it's going to be very, very different than if you're talking about somebody in your church. Um, we have a online kind of reformed community and it is our, um, it is our faith. It's Christ that unites us, but um, you can't fully follow Matthew 18 um, mm-hmm. in the same way when 
you're not in the same church. And I think just because I have witnessed since the beginning of being in Facebook groups and friendships, and you can you can have a very close friend that you meet online. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think most of us do. People mm-hmm. that we've become very, very good friends with, whether we've met them in real life or not. Um, we were friends for years. Yeah, that's true. I knew Rachel before I ever met her. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are real friendships. Every mm-hmm. bit as much as um, somebody in your church, somebody you know that you know in real life. Um, one of my concerns, is, so I think we can still use this basic framework, kind of like how Rachel was talking about those steps for conflict resolution really are biblical principles, even though they've been, um, they're used in a more secular way. Also, where I think sometimes I see kind of a a justification for not um, doing what is the right thing. And we've, we've had some situations just in our Facebook group where it just gets out of control. Um, there's real tears that are mm-hmm. shed and real hurt that happens. And I think it's, I think a lot, a lot of things can happen. Um, I think there can be a lot of gossip. I think there can be a lot of justifying of, well, they did something I think is wrong. And so therefore, blah, blah, blah. Um, And if you are in a conflict, including online, to kind of step back and say, what's the right thing to do? Even though this is online, what are some biblical principles that I can follow? What's a framework I can follow? Um, Seeking counsel um, from somebody that's not involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of, I've, I've seen a lot of gossip and slander and things kind of spiral out of control. Mm-hmm. And it, it breaks my heart. And even just the amount of, of gossip and slander. And, um, it, you know, when you're in that sort of situation, stepping back, um, I mean, I, I have had those situations where I step back and I say, okay, what what is the right thing to do? Now, being online, there are times to say, I think continuing, you've done everything you can do. And, you know, it's just maybe not even wise to continue in the relationship. There, there is that too. I don't know if you want to add to that. No, I agree that there are times when the best thing to do is to walk away from a conflict. Um, And there just are, there are times when that's the only thing that's going to move things forward. And that's, you know, as, as much as you want to be at peace with everyone, sometimes it's beyond what we can do. Well, and when we're talking about like conflicts or disagreements over um, uh, preferences and such, Right. There are right. times when you just have to let the preferences go. If you're going to have a friendship, you're going to have to be a friends that don't discuss or don't get into disagreeing on things. And it is okay to have those kinds of friends that you're friends and you talk about other things. That's that's a great point. You may even realize that you get along really well with somebody, but every time 
you talk about, you know, whatever subject that you feel strongly about and she feels strongly about and you have a different perspective on it, that it just always ends up spiraling out of control. And you may just have to come to an agreement. Hey, we're not going to talk about. We're we're just going to agree to not talk about this thing. We're going to agree mm-hmm. to not talk about politics. We're going to agree not to talk about you know whatever. homeschooling. Homeschooling. I, that's actually the other one I was thinking. Maybe you have a friend mm-hmm. feels very strongly for it, and one that feels strongly. Oh, we can give you a whole list: vaccines, homeschool, <laughs> right? Um, and you just agreed to not Harry Potter. Yeah, um, I mean, there's just really there's a whole bunch of things out there, um, you know, organic or not. Yeah, breastfeed, bottle feed. Just there's just lots of things that we can talk about that we all have very valid opinions on. There's reasons we 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 believe them or want to do things a certain way. And it's not wrong to have our own opinions. Well. But- I- I do think we need to be a little more flexible in general (laughs) to say, well, I believe in this and I know my friend believes in that. And I think we talked about this, this in another episode, Rachel, and I seem to recall you even saying, and she may have very valid reasons for believing something different Mm -hmm. than what I believe. I think, think overall, we need to be a little bit more. That sounds like me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, there's there's so many verses I think about. The one that I that I was thinking about a lot is Ephesians 429. Mm-hmm. Um, just when we're talking about conflicts, it's the one that comes into my head all the time. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. And I, I think I reflected on this passage so much because unwholesome word it, that can really fit into everything that we're talking about, even when we do go to somebody, how we go to somebody, the words that we use. Um, so, you know, there's a difference when you are going to go to somebody. If you if you go in a very accusatory way, it's mm-hmm. going to automatically put them on the defensive. That It's just going to be naturally that they're going to get automatically defensive. But if you go in with grace and seeking to edify with your words, um, there, I, I think there's a better chance that uh, they will be receptive to what you have to say. Yeah, that they'll hear you. Um, yes. You know, of course, one of the other uh, verses that comes to mind with this is about, you know, being so concerned about the speck in someone else's eye that you're overlooking the log in your own. And people use that a lot, but it it's not that we don't ever deal with the speck. It's that we deal with the log first, right? right. And then can help somebody else who has a minor problem but it, there is a point there like mountains and molehills there are times when we have to decide whether or not this is a big issue or not whether or not um, i need to address something maybe i'm wrong <laughs> maybe it's my problem not theirs um and just in general like the, the verse you just misquoted um about wholesome words and edification it, just that right there, like to to to, sp- to make it our purpose and our goal in our conversations online, in person, that what we're saying is edifying. Absolutely. And that's a hard thing right there, right? Like <laughs> you, just, just to make everything that we say edifying, that covers, like, you know, how you like to, to read the uh, catechism, you know, with the ninth commandment, what 
we have to do and what, what's required yeah. of us and what's forbidden. And it's very detailed and there's so much there, but a lot of it really does come down to edifying. It does. And it's, speaking of that, and I didn't write down today, but I, of course, encourage everyone to go to the Westminster Large, Larger Catechism and read through the ninth, ninth the, sorry, the 10th commandments and speaking specifically now of the ninth commandment, you find out there's an idea there that assuming the worst of them yes. is wrong. That, that's a big one because that's easy, so easy to assume the worst of someone else, mm-hmm. to speculate. I mean, it doesn't use these words, but you get this whole picture um, just to speculate about things that you may not know to be true, all, all of these things um, to really be grounded in absolute truth, um, you know, not to not, if if somebody says something to you about somebody else, even being careful to um, to try not to listen um, mm-hmm. to gossip or slander, uh, and that's hard to do. It's hard to do, I know. Um, but just to be very careful. I mean, it, it talks in the in the ninth commandment in the larger catechism about promoting truth. Mm-hmm. I was thinking too, as you were talking about you know the the golden rule to into others, but it is if you think about how you're talking about someone else or how you're treating uh, how you're talking to someone else, how how you're treating someone in a conflict, and asking yourself if you're treating them the way you would want your words to be taken or your uh, motives to be um, assumed, and it, Right off the bat, I want to say I do not do this well 100% of the time. I don't do this well 50% of the time. You know, so everything that we're saying here are things that advice that we're giving ourselves as well as talking about this. Um, and lifelong issues and struggles and um, goals to work on. Um, Absolutely. Just wanted to add that. Yeah. And you bring up a good point and being careful about not impugning motive. On somebody mm-hmm. like they're, I mean, it's so easy to do that. I mean, it really comes down to assuming, assuming anything. Um, mm. That's th- like this last year, which I, I've talked about on this podcast before. Um, sometimes our tendency to assume the worst about people that we don't care for as much mm-hmm. and, and to overlook, um, assume the best of people that we do like, which I actually mm-hmm. believe that we should always assume the best, but, you know, seek truth, if, you know, if somebody's wrong. Um, but even if we're having, um, if we f- feel like we've been hurt by somebody or somebody has wronged us, it's easy to then assume the worst of them and mm-hmm. kind of guard yourself from doing that. It's very hard. It's very hard not to do that sometimes. Um, Absolutely. On the online thing, this can happen in churches too, or any sort of friend group. Just really guard yourself from allowing conflicts to turn into drama. It mm-hmm. just happens. It happens too often. Um, I'm sure, you know, I think about it. An example is like you're in junior high and you've got your little friend group and, you know, there's some sort of drama surrounding somebody and um, but we do that same thing. Like I said oh, before, we're absolutely. big kids. That same sort of thing happens now. Yeah, uh, I like to say that 
you know, everybody gets older, but not everybody grows up. <laughs> yes. It's just true. We don't all do that well. Yeah, it's very true. And I think some some people, I don't know if they like drama or mm-hmm. they kind of find themselves in the um in the center of it a lot. So that's um something to and, and then that's another oh, thing for, for the proverbs and the lessons to learn from the proverbs is you know how surrounding yourself with people that don't that don't make it their goal in life to to uh, cause drama all the time. And that doesn't mean I mean some of us have things that happen to us and we end up being in drama a lot. Right. Not by our choice. It, not by our choice and certainly not by what we're seeking out. Yeah. Um but when you're choosing who you're hanging out with, I think that's a good way to to decide whether or not it's a it's healthy. Yeah, I think you know I I, I keep thinking of the episode we did on boundaries, mm-hmm. and I think part of that is spending your time with people that edify you, that are pointing you to Christ and encouraging you in good things. We can all be influenced poorly by, um by people and it can happen as an adult you know you know how much it it, as a kid where your mom says i don't want you hanging out with her anymore (laughs) because your your mom notices it Mm -hmm. you start behaving badly every time you hang out with that friend um it it can happen as adults too and you know i've had a situation i start spending time with somebody and i think i don't even like myself when i'm with them Mm -hmm. um it's okay to have boundaries in in relationships and how close uh, we are in those relationships and the time that we devote to those friendships. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's wise to do that. So the last one I'm going to do, and then I'm going to have Rachel uh, wrap it up with something is that's seek peace. You know, Mm -hmm. Rachel had talked about in Matthew 18, you know, why are we doing this? We're seeking peace and reconciliation and repentance but I think in all things, and I know Todd had talked about this passage, I think on our podcast, uh, Romans twelve eighteen, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. And mm-hmm. we could do a whole podcast yes. just uh, on what that means. But I think we need to reflect on that. And we're really in very um, tumultuous times. Mm-hmm. And... um. And sometimes, you know what, <laughs> even as much as you try, there there can't be peace, but you have done everything that mm-hmm. you can. Um, so, as much as it is possible. Um, but to as much as it peace. depends on you. Right. I, that part. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, sometimes you've done everything and it, the the peace that isn't isn't because of you, but um, I almost feel like we talked about this with the culture wars. Mm-hmm. There's almost a get up and fight. You know, we talk about fight and flight where people are almost fight, 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 mm-hmm. or that sort of temperature um, is happening a lot. And it, one of the problems that we have with the way the culture wars are being played out mm-hmm. is there's not a lot of seeking peace but more of a going to war Mm. and um you know the this singer that even though it's completely different thing but it does fit into this that 
my favorite singer, uh, has a, a newer song. And it is about war. Mm-hmm. But the purpose of it, he's, he's very, very anti-war, pro-peace. But the purpose of the song is to show how destructive war is. Mm-hmm. And that um, one of the, it's a really long song, like 12 minutes. But it, in it, uh, one of the points that he makes is that the thing that people think that they're going to war for to accomplish doesn't accomplish that thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, with the culture wars or some of these things where we have that kind of, I'm going to fight to the death thing because we think it's going to accomplish this good thing. It doesn't really accomplish that good thing. So very good point. Yeah. So can to wrap up, we thought this would be real good to talk about. I'm going to have Rachel talk about fruit of the spirit versus deeds of the flesh yeah one of the passages uh, i really like in galatians of course is you know the fruit of the spirit and i know we can all or should be all able to to rattle off the verse i'm sure many of us are teaching it if we have children teaching it to our children or have taught it to children in sunday school and you know the, the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control but the the passage starts with, or that section starts with uh, a description of what the deeds of the flesh are. And, you know, of course, the whole point of that part of Galatians is about how we should live and what we're called to. And so, the deeds of the flesh, uh, it says, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. And at this point, most of us are going, yes, those are bad things. I wouldn't do those things, right? And we shouldn't, right? Like, nope, nope, bad But then we get into enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, and you go, oh, right. (laughs) Maybe that's more. Wait, I struggle with those. (laughs) Right, wait. As the the joke goes, you know, oh, pretty sure you quit um, preaching and have gone to meddling, right? And messing with the things that I do. And these are the things that, you know, the fruit of the spirit is the opposite of, right? These these are the things that we should be putting off in our lives instead of the things in the fruit of the spirit, the things that we're putting on in our lives. And as the the verse says, if we live by the spirit, let's walk by the spirit. And again, let's not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. And because I want to encourage us as we're talking through this, we don't want it to be law heavy. We do want to bring us to the gospel and, and to the hope that we have. Um, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about the list uh, a list of sins and and people's the behaviors like this, like the deeds of the flesh, and then he says, "But such were some of you, right?" And I love the fact that that's there because it's a reminder that all of us, whether we were raised in the church or not, we all started out from a point of of living contrary to God, and now we've been set free of our sin and our struggles to try to to. Um, uh, make ourselves right with God. And we've been made right with God and our hearts are being changed and the spirit is at work in, in us. And we're being enabled to, to put on the fruit of the spirit and live as a way in a way that's pleasing to God. And so that verse in first Corinthians six eleven it says some such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the spirit of our God. Colossians three, eight, Paul encourages but now you also 
Put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Um, You have, of course, the famous passage in James uh, about taming the tongue. And it says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers, my brethren. These things shouldn't be this way. Right? And it's very convicting. Um, but I thought it was good. Every time Very. I hear that verse, I'm like, man, <laughs> so hard. It's, it's, but it's a good reminder that Absolutely. the struggles that we have are common to all of us. All yes. of us are going to struggle in these ways. The Lord knows that we do, and He has given us reminders about how to to remember that we shouldn't live like that because that's not whose we are anymore we are not we do not belong to the flesh in that way we do not belong to sin and death but we do belong to christ and we do have the spirit and the fruit of the spirit should be evident in our lives although obviously not 100 percent. not um we're going to sin we're not going to do it right every time um, and just because we sin does not mean that we have fallen off the wagon again and we have to go be resaved. That's that's not the point. Um, but we should, knowing that we are being made into the image of Christ and knowing that the Spirit is at work in us, we should look for those ways in which we can intentionally put off sinful behavior and put on godly god-honoring behavior um i like the passage in philippians 4 8 says whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is of good repute if there's any excellence in anything worthy of praise dwell on these things and i think that is a good um a good summary when you talk about it should be edifying our speech should be edifying. These are the kinds of things that we should be encouraging each other with. And doing these things, there's going to be conflict because sin will always conflict with with good, right? There, there are going to be conflicts around us. Um, but we should hope that our conflicts are because we're doing doing good things, because we're doing the right things, because we are serving God, and not because we're getting ourselves in trouble, which we'll do plenty of as well. Right. <laughs> Um, and then Colossians 3, 12 through 14, uh, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord has forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Just wanted to remind us all that um, we are united in Christ. We are uh, sisters and brothers uh, in the Lord. And because we are brothers and sisters in the Lord, we should we should strive to treat each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we know that uh, because the Spirit is as at work is at work in us, um, He will complete and finish the work that He started in us, and we will be able to to grow in these areas. Um, I hope that's encouraging. And I'll just add a couple things because um, I have very visual mind. And mm-hmm. so the passage, which you quoted part of when it, when it talks about running the race and mm. throwing off the 
Mm-hmm. And that easily entangles us. So in my head, I see somebody trying to run a race with a bunch of things tied to them and how hard it is to run mm-hmm. with those things. And okay, I got to throw, throw off all of those things, that list of things that you, mm-hmm. that you mentioned, but also, and I think you, that last passage really hits on it. And that, um, I wanted to encourage everyone that because we are justified, we are being sanctified. Mm -hmm. And it is, to me, one of the most constantly encouraging things. Um, I'm just going to read Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 35, what is sanctification? And I encourage memorizing it because I think about it often. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. And as we fail in all these things, knowing that sanctification is the work of God's free grace, that he is working in us. The last passage that you read, he's completing the work that he began. And even as we may feel discouraged at times, even with our own sinfulness, like, man, Am I not doing better already? I mean, my grandma, 90 years old, said, man, I still struggle with that speck log thing. I want to go take the speck out of everyone else's eye. And I got this log in my own. And my grandma was one of the most amazing women I've ever known who became a Christian at a young age. But I think the other thing that does happen is as we grow, as we're being sanctified, you know, for me, as I've grown in the faith as the Lord's working in me, I see my sin even more where I'm like, man, I didn't even realize I got that sin problem and mm-hmm. I'm seeing it very clearly now. Mm-hmm. Um, I want people to walk away knowing that there is that there is hope and the Lord is working in us as we struggle with these things. So, well, thank you for, for joining us. I hope this was an encouragement to people. I'll put in the episode notes um, some of our outline in case you want to refer some of the conflict resolution um, points. And if I find any, I'll, I'll look and see if I can find any helpful articles that that might be helpful. Because I know we have so many people that are dealing with all sorts of different mm-hmm. conflict. And sometimes it feels like um you feel hopeless, but just remember, we always have hope because of the Lord. Not, not that the situation will necessarily turn out the way that we hope, but that He is sovereign and He's working, including in ways that we don't see. Yep. So we will see you in a couple of weeks. Bye.